Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome, everybody, to Gridiron Blitz 380 in the house, Oscar Lopez, and we're going to be having a great show today, two hours jam-packed. We're going to be talking everything that's going to go down this weekend in the Women's Football Alliance, and as well as preview next weekend's uh, WNFC clashes in terms of the conference finals. We're also going to be diving into uh, international news, the Maple League in action in about an hour, the Mark Simone and Nate Ward. So we're going to be diving into that. The IWFA Championship, congratulations to the Texas Legacy, 46-44, as they uh, defeat the Austin Ravens, former champs Austin Ravens in overtime. Should get some uh, nice photos and uh, stuff from the IWFA, the Icon Women's Football Association of Texas. We'll find out if, uh, you know, what the action was all about. I don't think it was streamed. We were trying to look for it for the streaming, but it didn't happen. Uh, so we'll dive into that. We're also going to dive in into the second hour, late second hour. We'll dive into everything that's happening in Finland as Division One and Maple League action happen this weekend. If you can catch it or subscribe, if you're in Europe, you can subscribe to Roto Plus in Europe, and you're able to take uh, take advantage of all the action that's happening in the Maple League and Division One. So today we're going to have an exciting show. We're going to be uh, returning uh, the return of the Hall of Famer. Holly Custis in the house, all-pro Hall of Famer Holly Custis in the house for the, from the WNFC Utah Falcons. And we're going to get into a, the interview today with the talented Sonia Rohde of the Central Canada Women's Football League, and she's going to be uh, coming in here to talk about that adventure that's going to happen in 2022 with a, a couple teams, four to six teams projected to be in the mix in Central Canada. We already have the Western Women's Canadian Football League, and then we have the Maritime, and now it's going to be really nice to have that three leagues within uh, proximity in that eastern side of the Canada swing, and hopefully in the, in the future we can have a nice little rivalry uh, in between the, the three leagues. But for now, 2022 looks promising as the Central Canada, Western, uh, Central Canada Women's Football League will launch as well. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer back in the house, into the mix here. Well, Holly Custis, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Congratulations on your nominations. And so we'll see what the final list comes out. But the all-team, all-pro, and we already knew that. So congrats. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think this was a really, really fun season for me. Um, I was happy to see, you know, several of my uh, teammates on there as well. I think it's definitely well-deserved, as well as some uh, other friends I have on different teams. It's really cool to see, um, you know, people that uh, you recognize, you know, throughout the season as being having really excellent seasons and having other people recognize that at the same time is really cool. Um, You know, it's pretty cool to also see some up-and-coming people, um, and uh, and I'm very thankful and honored uh, to be selected as well. So you know what? We just add to the resume, co-host and all badass in the WNFC. So there you go, Custis. Awesome. 
I don't know if that fits on a on a business card now, <laughs> but I appreciate the you'll sentiment. Have to, okay. You'll have to put it <laughs> under the other line and other. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, it was awesome. And like you said, there's a lot of talented players in this league, right? Uh, we we already knew that, and it's kind of nice to have a kind of like you know a voting role like they do in Major League Baseball or in the NBA or the NHL, right? So I think that's a cool thing to have, and hopefully in the future we'll have like you know, actual fans in the stands kind of like contribute to the voting, right? And so it be, it'll become a bigger thing, and it's going to be nice to have actually fans nominate the all-pro team. Yeah, you know, I think um, the more uh, fan interaction you have, the better. And it sounded like we had a lot of voter uh, turnout. And so I think, you know, like you were saying, you know, d- due to COVID, um you know, depending on what state you were in and what state you were playing in, uh, you know, the fan uh, in-person experience was kind of all over the place, but I think it's like that for every major sport this year. And uh, so hopefully next year uh, we won't have um, those restraints and we can get more people in the stands and get even uh, more interaction. But, yeah, definitely a good start. All right, guys. Um, our podcast is powered by com. Don't forget NBA Finals. Uh, me and Holly are always up for this basketball thing, but uh, NBA Finals this week, uh, Suns, you can go to monkeynight5.com, go more or less. You can get a free $5 play if you're in the U.S. and Canada and select states in the U.S. as well. And you use our code NJF to get started and make some dough. Uh, $5 turns into $15, 50 into 150 and then 300 to 900 So if you're good at, uh, you know, more or less in terms of the format, you can make some pretty good dough on a small amount of money that you would turn in. So go to monkeynightfight.com, use the code NJF, help our podcast. And I want to thank everybody that's subscribed to our podcast now. We're growing, and I really appreciate it. Uh, last week we had a great, um, you know, the, the uh, Holly, the Gina Magana and Rick Rasmussen uh, podcast really bumped us up on our, on our ratings and our listenership. So your, uh, you know, your uh, teammates out there and your coach, uh, pretty, pretty good. Uh, everybody drew, uh, kind of dived into what we were talking about. So it kind of bumped us up on Apple uh, Podcasts. So uh, you can subscribe to it on iHeart and Spotify. So that was uh, awesome news. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really think, uh, in my opinion, I might be campaigning a little bit, but I think Gina, in my opinion, is, is should be in contention for MVP of the league. You know, she's had that that awesome of a year. She's had, I think I looked at it, it as like 23 touchdowns on the year. She can score on mm-hmm. the ground. She can catch. She can, she's returned, I think, like four or five kicks for, for touchdowns and, um, you know, had a wonderful year. So she, I think she's starting to develop a, a following there. And, of course, Rick is always entertaining. So that's not surprising. And uh, it was really fun to, to kind of uh, listen to the conversation and, and uh, see what they had to say, but uh, they're definitely awesome people. Yeah, so you guys can go back to 378, 379 uh, and listen to the both podcasts. So really appreciate you guys bumping us up on some of the major platforms. We really need that to get exposure, to bring awareness, to bring attention to all these athletes ultimately, and that's what we want to do here on the podcast. So, Also, uh, Aaron uh, Truix was on that show too, so maybe Aaron also bumped us up. So thank you, Aaron, as well. Um, so, uh, Holly... Uh, let's talk about this before we bring in uh, Sonia Rohde, uh from the uh, Central Canada Women's Football League. Um, 
the NCAA ruling, you had talked about it, uh, I want to say 12 months ago, we talked about it. Remember how we said about the NCAA yeah. had to at some point turn a page, right, because of the amount of revenue that yeah. they're having uh, and the issues with uh, tuition and scholarships and all that. Uh, finally, it went up to, you know, a higher being, and all of a sudden they ruled that, you know, the players do have uh, or should have an opportunity to obviously uh, compensate, get compensated for their likeness or, or their star power. Yes. Um, you know, like we talked about before, I really think this is long overdue. And I think, you know, um, this should have happened a while ago. And I think it, it was evident, at least to me and probably a lot of other people, that uh, the word amateur no longer applied to, you know, uh, what was happening with uh, these schools and, and these conferences uh, raking in billions and billions of dollars. Um, and you go into the team store and you see your favorite player's number, but no name on the back of the jersey, but you know whose number that is. So you're still buying it because you want to represent that player, but that player doesn't see any of that or wasn't seeing any of that. So, um, I definitely think it's it's finally kind of more forward thinking, and I know you know from what I've heard so far, there's a lot of um, positive experiences. You have a lot of people like uh, even uh, female gymnasts that are getting ready for the Olympics. Now they have an opportunity to leverage that uh, into some uh, more dollars um, and uh, to um, you know get them through their training and and, and items like that. I know that uh, a lot of athletes are taking advantage of online platforms like uh, uh, Cameo, which is essentially a platform where you would have like an athlete or, you know, um, a celebrity personality, for for example. And let's say, uh, you know, you would pick your favorite player and then they're on that platform. And for 20 bucks, you can send your friend um, a personalized message from that player. And it's like a video and you're like, hey, you know, my friend's John. Can you send a happy birthday to John? And then that player will just shoot a quick video, and that makes John's day. But then also the player, you know, earns like 20 bucks. And um, stuff like that is, is really forward-thinking and long overdue. And I'm really excited to see how creative these players can get. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, it's really early, but I think there's going to be a lot of positive things coming out of this. Do you think there will be a conflict between the compensation prior to going pro if you go pro, or is it just going to be more like a – I see it more as a kind of like a building block for it, you know, to be astute about it. So when you get to the pros, you're a little bit more mindful of, like, the agent and the contracts yeah. and, and things like that yeah. because we got to a stage now, like you said, so. where they're amateur, right? They have no clue. They get to the pros, and the agent takes over or things like that. At least here, I, I see a benefit if it's done right. Hopefully, there's you know there's always going to be every in every case there's always somebody that goes awry and and goes dumb as an as an example. But I think uh, the compensation part of it here is more across the board, which is really what we were looking for ultimately. Because if you're not getting compensated to play a sport, but you are fully scholarship to do that, and you're still a broke person, so what what good is it for the school to you know, to have a player that's obviously broke and they're trying to do all they can to get to the point where they, you know, 
the percentage, in other words, to get to the pros is very low. So at least at, least at this point, yes. they're going to get some compensation for being at the school or at the university for the short period of time. After that, obviously it's fair game, like in life, right, with anything in life. If you don't make the pros, then obviously you're going to have to figure out something to, uh, of a different, uh, you know, uh, or uh, basically whatever you studied, but you, you end up going into that realm. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I and I think, um, you know, it's like anything else in life. There's going to be mistakes that are made by people, and hopefully they learn from them. But I think overall it's an opportunity to learn how to leverage your brand. Because really what we're talking about is branding, and that mm-hmm. is a probably a newer concept for athletes that were professionals maybe in the last, like, 10, 15 years with uh, social media. Um, so athletes have more control over their individual brand, and that is now filtering down to the college level. And so what you're seeing that's kind of cool is um, some of the some of the star athletes that know they're probably going to go pro. Um, I think it was like uh, Derek King from Miami. I think uh, Spencer Rattler, um, I think, also did this. Where whatever they have coming in, they're going to also divvy it up amongst their teammates or at least give them a percentage and then, I think uh, it might have been Spencer who might also be sending some to um, charities that are local as well because they probably know that they're going to get their payday uh, coming up. But I think that's going to be there for them, and it's going to be really good practice for when they become professional. But I think this sort of thing is probably going to make even a greater um, impact on the players that are good but not great, you know, so that the player that is a starter on a college team but is kind of a bubble NFL player and might end up going, you know, um, like a, to the arena league or something like that, that kind of player is going to be really, really helpful uh, to them uh, to at least make something off of their their brand and, and their, their image while they can at a major college. Um, and I think it's really exciting. And I think we're going to see a lot of creative uh, things come out of this. And I think it's more in line with how, um, society is now, especially young people, um, anybody and, and everybody can be an influencer online. And if you know how to leverage that um, to, to, you know, bring in some income, it doesn't even have to be like, you know, we're not talking millions of dollars necessarily. We're talking about just a little income. And if you can learn these skills now, even if you don't turn pro in your sport, maybe you go into business and maybe you learn some skills from, you know, using this, this branding uh, opportunity that will help you later on. So I think it's a win, 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 win. You're going to have some bumps. You're going to have some education uh, opportunities, and I'm sure some colleges are, are going to do a lot of diligence in getting uh, their players in front of the right people and educating them. Um, but I'm excited because I think this could, this could be a really good thing. Yeah, I mean, imagine the uh, the EA marketing. Remember the Madden marketing in the past where you couldn't have the names on there? Now it's an opportunity for yeah. some of these players to actually get compensated on a video format, which is going to be allowed now, where it wasn't allowed before. So this is pretty exciting times. Um, let's go into the Monkey Knife Fight huddle, and it's sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. So you guys can go to Monkey Knife Fight, and you guys can use the code NJF, get a $5 free play, up to $50 match. And you can get started today. NBA play, NBA finals start now. Uh, Bucks and Suns. So if you guys are inclined for that, PGA as well, MMA. So uh, there's a little bit of a different format there. So check it out, monkeyknife5.com, code NGF. Let's go into the huddle here, and then we'll bring in the talented Sonia Rohde. 
Play is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. How you doing, Sonia? Thanks for making the time today. You're on with myself, Oscar Lopez, and the Hall of Famer from the WNFC Utah Falcons, Holly Custis. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry Hello. about my voice. I apologize. I just came back from uh, practice, and uh, it was a pretty intense practice, so I, I was yelling for uh, for about an hour and a half, so I apologize if it's a little rusty. It's okay. You're loud and clear. That's good. Loud and clear, right? That's Perfect. what you were doing all hour. <laughs> That's what coaches <laughs> <Yes>. do. <laughs> no, we're good, Sonia. You're good. Um, yeah, no, uh, we want to bring you on because uh, you, you guys broke out this news. And normally, you know, we're keeping tabs in, internationally on a lot of things. And Western Women's Canadian Football League has been pretty prominent for a couple of years now. The Maritime has been going on for a long time. And then you guys, you know, bring this uh, bombshell news to us and, Everybody was just totally pickled and excited to just get you, uh, you know, up and running. And 2022 is going to be very exciting, especially, you know, for the Montreal Blitz, who's been a very historic franchise in in the past with the IWFL and the WFA. And this is an opportunity for them to kind of like revitalize themselves. Yes, absolutely. That's that's the. Uh, I mean, with with a team in the Maritimes and the team in uh, the west of Canada, we were like, how come there's no team in Central Canada, Ontario, and Quebec, the two biggest provinces of Canada, have no uh, league, and on and Ontario has no football team at all. So we were baffled by that. And uh, myself and uh, the other co-founder of uh, the Ottawa Capital Rebels, were, we, just got, we got together to create the Capital Rebels just last year in the midst of COVID and contacted the Blitz to maybe make you know, a little bit of friendly games with them. And uh, poof, what happened next is we got together and built a league. Sonia, what what is the you know the vision at this point? Is it a four to six stable teams to get up and running, or is it because we have obviously intangibles with pulling players from universities or pulling players from a flag scene, you know that kind of environment um, to come to do tackle and tackle being expensive at some point. I don't know how expensive it is in Canada, but I know it's pretty expensive in the U.S. if you don't have any sponsorships and things like that. So tell us a little bit about like some of that mentality uh, as you guys go, we're going to create a league, but you, you also have those financial intangibles. Yes, exactly. Right now we're still building the league. Uh, we're, we're still building a uh, uh, board and uh, executive committee. Uh, we have, we have some people that uh, on the executive committee at the moment, like for uh, comms and marketing and legal and business operations, and we're, 
financially, we're just getting to the finances at the moment. Uh, you know, build it and they will come, as they say. This, this is pretty much what we're doing at the moment. We've uh, installed that we have two install teams, on one on the Quebec side, the Montreal Blitz, and uh, the uh, Capital Rebels on the um, Ottawa Gatineau side, who are, you know, we're we're created teams, we're, we're strong, but then um, we need to uh, have other teams to complete their, you know, to, to be stronger. So as you said, it's, I can't, we'll need, we will need grants, we will need sponsorships. This is the next thing we'll, we'll be working on. Uh, again, this season is predicted to start in 2022. We still have lots of time, but we still have uh, a lot of work to do to uh, be able to uh, get a definite uh, idea of how we will be doing that. Sonia, you have a football background from what you send me your bio, and you obviously have coaching background and things like that. So how are those things going to be working out? Is that networking with, with your you know, peers or, or other coaches in those areas? Or are you guys reaching out at this point? Or is this, a, you know, in, in other words, are we campaigning for the next 12 months to see if we can get some coaching staffs? Because I know Montreal probably has a coaching staff from the previous incarnation, but uh, the new teams will need obviously some guidance, right? Yes. Well, each on on each side, both teams. Yes, the Montreal has do have more coaching staff than we do. Um, coaching, getting coaching staff is is hard because the most most coaches, first of all, are already coaching uh, male male teams, and uh, we we try we're trying to get uh, female coaches, but there are so many little of us. I'm one of the few, and if you want a very experienced female coach, then where to find one, it's it's practically impossible. So that's why the CCWSL League also uh, tries to encourage, uh, you know, we want to get women into football not only as players, but also to, uh, you know, as coaches and officiators and uh any executives, you know, to, to build the league, to help build teams, and to help um, anywhere anywhere else in the world of football, not just as players. Are you guys reaching out at this point to, uh, let's say, the Canadian Football League or the Football or Football Canada, yes. as an example, well, and try to get some sort yes, of well, uh, we support have... in that way? We we have the support of uh, Football Ontario and Football Quebec, the two provinces, and as well as uh, the, the CFL. Some of the Canadian Football League uh, people are helping us. Um, the we have some uh, CFL players uh, helping us as well for coaching. Like on the Rebel side, we had uh, Samuel Thomasin from the Alouettes. We had uh, Antoine Truneau from the Red Blacks. And Kadim Mbaye, that was a previous uh, Alouettes player and uh, Tiger Cats player as well. So all three of those of those guys helped coach uh, some of the girls, and they try to get us connections, as well as um, some other women on a podcast. It's a Canadian podcast for the uh, the Red Blacks, the uh, Mouchoir podcast, and. Uh, those women, those two women that run that podcast are really well connected in uh, the Canadian uh, football world, if you want. And uh, they they try to promote everything for us, our next training sessions, 
our the webpage, uh, how to get involved in the CCWFL, um, pulling strings like that. This is what's going to help us, and you know, podcasts like yours, like yours, and any anything on the media uh, is what can really help the league and the teams at the moment. All right. Uh, so I'm going to bring in uh, the Hall of Famer here to kind of pick your brain on this new venture and the vision for 2022. Uh, go ahead, Holly. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Holly. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. I'm really excited to, to hear about your new league. Um, could you talk in general about the growth of women's football in Canada as a whole the last few years? Well, in the well, I can't talk for uh, the CC uh, for uh, sorry for the Maritimes and the Western Women's Canadian Football League, but they have been going on for many years. Um, for ours, the Central Canadian the CWFL, the Central Canadian Women's Football League, um, I think it's been somebody tried to, in the past to start a league in Central Canada, but they were not successful. I think this was maybe seven years ago. Um, we are lucky to be able to have the support of Ontario football and football Quebec, which was, has never been seen before. Those two governing, uh, if you want, uh, groups that govern football in Ontario and football in Quebec actually uh, working together, uh, which it, it is really helping us a lot, and plus the help of the, the Canadian Football League to help plug uh, our, our league as well. But um, otherwise, uh, we're trying, hopefully trying to, you know, to inspire and create and influence and promote, uh, you know, women uh, in football uh, for for Quebec and Ontario, trying to recruit. Recruiting is, is very hard these days. And trying also to build grassroots for the younger girls, uh, to be role models for the girls, because men, you know, the boys have all these role models in the CFL, NFL, uh, and girls need, also need uh, role models to be able to continue in the sport. Right. Very cool. Are you currently in Quebec? I am currently, you can say I'm in both. <laughs> uh, I live in Gatineau, which is right on, on, on the border of Ontario. And uh, I coach okay. on the Quebec side, but my the, um, the youth team that I coach uh, plays on the Ontario side. So it's really it's Very really cool. both. Yeah, Same I've, thing I've for the Capital Rebels really is we have women. Hello. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I, same thing for the Capital Rebels. We have women that live in in Quebec and live women that live in Ontario, and we practice on in both both provinces. Okay. I was just saying, yeah, um, I've been to Quebec, and it's really, really pretty there, so I was just curious. Um, I know that, um, you know, COVID obviously affected the entire planet. Um, It definitely affected football down here in the States. Do you think uh, COVID, uh, you know, affected football up there in Canada? Did it give you guys some more uh, time to start planning the league, or how was COVID affecting everything up there? COVID absolutely affected us. We we could have started um, 
training camps much earlier. We could have last year for uh, the um, for the Capital Rebels, which is the year that we started. We could have you know played some uh, recreation. Uh, games or joint practices against the Blitz to give the girls more experience Mm -hmm. and to try out the sport physically. But uh, because of COVID, none of that was possible. Same thing for for the league. We wanted to recruit. We wanted to have uh, training sessions on the Quebec side and the Ontario side, and we were not able to do that as well. (laughs) So it, it... it harmed us a lot, but it also helped us give us time to build, um, you know, the board, the executive committee, and, uh, you know, have, have a logo and everything else that you do, you know, in in the back. Oh, very cool. Uh, I'm always curious to see how, you know, this affected different countries and, and different areas. Um, and then with your new league, are you going to play by uh, Canadian football rules or – um, you know, uh, American football rules, or how does that work? We're looking to play Canadian football rules. Yeah, twelve v twelve and okay. uh, uh, four downs. Yep. Very cool. Um, and do you guys have a a name for the championship game yet? I know you're you're working out all the details, but I'm always curious to see what people uh, name their title game. Uh huh. No, we haven't. We're not there yet. Uh, we're okay. still working uh, out uh, all the other uh, details that come before that, but uh, haven't even started thinking about that. No. <laughs> oh, not a problem. Uh, I know it's always kind of a, a fun thing to be like, oh, what do we name it? But I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, and you're talking about how the, the other leagues have really had a, a warm reception to uh, your league. What is the reception um, as far as the fans and people on social media been so far? Uh, the people on social media are surprised. Uh, a lot of people are surprised that there, there's even contact football for women still. So this is mm-hmm. this is how you know uh, far back we we are in Central Canada. You know, people don't even believe that there's contact football for women, and even for you know women over over 18. So they're baffled by, one, having teams, and two, even having a league. So a lot of people don't believe that it will, you know, that, that it's going to be successful. Right. And that's pretty something that I think we all face in all the different countries that we play. But the, the more, you know, exposure people get, you know, I think the more excited that they get. So, you know, hopefully with, with your new league, you, you'll start to, open some people's eyes and uh, let them know that, yes, you know, women can play. Um, and uh, my final question for you is, I, this is a favorite one I like to ask a lot of people. I know you've played before and you've coached. Um, I know everyone has um, a pregame routine. What is your pregame routine as a coach? Huh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, do I have a pregame routine? Well, usually it's to I hype. I'll help. I'll uh, hype the players up, get them because I am a defensive mm-hmm. coach. So I like my players to be awake, to be alert, and you know to be to be ready to be aggressive. So either I'll put some some, some music on, or we'll do a, you know a nice aggressive drill at the beginning, wake everybody up, up, get them excited, get them eager, and get them to want. Uh, to play and to want the ball, so that's that's how 
That's how right. I get them ready. That's how I get myself ready. Very cool. Yeah, I like um, – I always like when, when coaches can, can do that. And if you – especially if you're a defensive coach, defense is, is a lot of energy. So if you have, you know, a coach and leader that, that can bring energy, I think everyone seems to follow that. So it's really cool that you do that. Um, I'm really excited to see your league, and, and it sounds like you guys are, are building it right. Um, and uh, so I'm definitely going to be watching from over here. Uh, but uh, uh, Hello? I think she went off maybe. Uh, oh. Off the, uh, <laughs> I thought that was me. Sounded, did I go off? It sounded like she got swallowed up. Uh, no, I, I think it's probably her phone connection or something of that nature. Um so she'll be on okay. there in a bit. Um, no, um, so Sonia, um, the opportunity presented itself. Now you are a, basically a founder of a league or a co-founder of a league. Um, that's pretty cool in itself. And on top of that, you're coaching, you know, also as well. So kind of a pioneer in a lot of ways. Do you see yourself that way? Uh, I do. In in a way, I, I do. Uh, I, I see all the women in this league and uh, tr- and in the teams as pioneers. Really, uh, we're building we're building our way up, uh, going against everybody's beliefs. Um, but as a woman in in a male-dominated sport, we always have to work harder. So I think we're used to working harder. And if anything seems seems difficult, I think we just, you know, we buckle up and get it done. So do I see myself as a pioneer? Uh, a pioneer amongst others pioneers, yes. Um, I take, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm just passionate about this, not just passionate about the sport, but passionate about having women and girls uh, be successful in any sport, really. And uh, for football, I I was previously a rugby player, but I I don't I don't how can I say I don't grasp how how come it's so hard for women to be successful in football when it's so easy for them to be successful in rugby. Um, maybe that's why I'm so passionate about it. I think the, the, the breakdown happens in terms of the perception, right? Because in rugby, it's kind of a unisex type of sport, where in football, a lot of times it becomes a barrier sport of gender. And I think that's where yeah. it, it, it cuts its off. You know what I mean? Because, like, oh, no, she can't – you know, they can play rugby, right? You can play soccer. You can play everything in terms of, right? a, of, a, you know, of, a, of a gender, both genders. But when you talk football, you're like, no, that's a that's a gladiator sport. Women cannot be gladiators, right? Even though we got Wonder Woman, <laughs> but she's a gladiator, right? But but I mean, I, you get that perception from a lot of people that uh, that see the sport that way, and they're like, okay, well, yeah. this cannot be, right? It's, it's still in that yeah, mentality. and it this still doesn't be. it still doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense in my brain. And when when I do practices, tackling practices with the boys, with the you know that that I coach, and I tell I tell them take off your equipment, and they're you're crazy. Like we're not going to tackle without equipment. Well, that's how we do it in rugby, and that's how you get to be better tacklers. You know, just take your equipment off, and everybody and they're so scared. And even even grown men are scared to take off their equipment to do some tackling drills. Whereas you know in rugby, women in rugby, they they do it. So. Uh, you know, there's 
I don't know. It's I, I still don't get how it's so hard for women to play football with equipment and to have uh, professional leagues or to just have game, uh, teams and leagues everywhere as easily as it is for men. Same thing as for women coaches. It's not that easy to be a, a female coach in football as well. I really think it brings into attention the uh, the lack of awareness it's really what it is. It's just lack of awareness. Yeah. The fact that you feel like your female counterpart cannot do uh, the same type of drills or skills or, or you know, or play the sport, um, I mean, this is kind of mind-boggles me because I, I cover the sport as a general rule for over 10 years. The international, you know, the international game of football becomes a sort of supported club mentality, right, where you have a rugby club, university club, and everything else. In the North American swing, where the sport was born, it's like, you know, the collegiate. And so it blows your mind because this is the birth of the sport. And you would think, okay, if it's, you know, football, it's football and we'll support either side and, you know, and and contribute and make it better and and, and go that route. But we don't. And it just blows my mind from the college level, right, at the NCAA level, for example, or the university level in your your aspect of it, right? There's nobody coming around going, hey, we got to put a, a women's team in the in the college in the college team for tackle football. Uh, that's missing, right? right? We got everything else: volleyball, we got soccer, all the major sports, right? And all of a sudden, we get to football, and they're like, oh, it's, uh, I don't think we could do that. It's too much money. And you're like, what? What do you mean it's too much money? You have enough. Money. And it's even at but, the high school level and in over here. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like the barrier mentality or the administrative yeah. mentality is not to support it. Right? It's not, it's not that you don't have the funding. You would make room for the funding if you had to. I mean, I have I have had conversations with people before, like if somebody comes over with Title IX, so and says, "Hey, you don't have a woman's soccer team on your high school." Oh, oh, by the way, it's Title IX. Oh, we de- we'll have to create one, and we'll have to adjust the budget. And that's what they do. They create one and they adjust yeah. the budget. But when it comes to women's tackle football, they're like, "Ah, oh, I just we just don't have the budget," and they kind of just kind of sway the budget. And in reality, it's like, oh, well, you'll have to fundraise or do sponsorships to, if you want a real team. <laughs> what? It's like, There again, okay. we need to work harder yeah. as women to get what we want and where we want. And it's as not only would, also as the, my mother would the say, schools. Uh, you know, this is about as dumb as you can, as you can do, but <laughs> that's my <laughs> Right. But it's, it's like, also what? the parents, the girls' parents. It's also – uh, the parents from the little girls who want to try football, who do try yeah. football, and then the parents stop them. It's too rough. No, I don't want you to play anymore. Play soccer. So it's everybody's mentality. It's trying to break that mentality and trying to educate parents and schools and girls that, you know, if you're playing against other girls, you're athletes, you're okay. You can do right. it. It is possible. And there are, you know, there is a chance for you to continue with all these, these teams and leagues that are popping up, you can play as long as you want. I think the, the evolution of the sport and the mindset has come, is coming around uh, because we have some prominent, some prominent females now in the NFL, and all of those females yes. in the NFL either coach or some of those females in the NFL were Olympians or international champions in their sport. I think the mindset will change in that. To your point to rugby, I think rugby has so much history behind it now that, you know, in in, in the international scene or in the international realm, 
it's an equal sport on both sides. And that's, I think that's the yes. barrier in football. It doesn't be, it, it's not seen as an equal sport. Yes, I think you're right. And we need to make it that way. We need to make it equal or, you know, try to work as hard as we can to get at least up to, you know, that level. All right. I yeah. Mean, in yeah, this so case, yeah, you guys, awesome. you guys are so close. Yeah, we are. We are almost getting there. I mean, it's been a long time. It's a, but you know, the 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 two major leagues in the states, I think, are going to do real good things, and hopefully, that will uh, migrate to the international game, and it allows everybody to kind of be, you know, more accepting, as you said, and it'll help you guys also in Canada to for them to see it on a higher stage and a higher level visibility. Um, I think the 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 lack in the in the past has been that we we never had any type of visibility. Where now I think we're getting attention, and because of social media, I think it's a lot easier for for people to really understand it and dive in. I mean, to your to your point, you guys creating this league just a matter of showing you know uh, videos of other leagues in in whether it be in North America or international where you see streaming and you see the action and you it's literally more of a presentation, right? It's kind of like a sales pitch mentality where you're going to have to take content from other leagues and present it in a way where it says, Hey, our league could be as good as that league, or it could be, you know, as exciting as that league. And I think that's the marketing side of the sport that in women's football, you have to kind of work that out to, to grab attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right now we have, and having just male coaches, it's a little hard for the women to have somebody to look up to. So with some uh, women coaches on the field, uh, they can relate to some, you know, to a real football player, real female football player with, you know, the same, you know, skills as, as they they'll have. Right. So we did have some zoom sessions uh, in the winter time with, um, with some uh, some of the games from the states and uh, from also from the maritime games and all that to show uh, you know the positions the field and uh, what a football game is like and try to explain the the game to the women with women playing on the field and not with uh, NFL or CFL game so you know the speed isn't the same and just to show them yes look it's it's being done right now you guys can be there. And I, like I, my point earlier, when we first started, uh, a league doesn't have to be major. You know, I always tell everybody, you got to start at a, at a starting point, whether it be four consistent teams like they did in the Maritime, you know, four to six teams, just the, like they did in the Western Canadian League. Uh, you just have to set up a foundation of, you know, four to six teams that are solid, that can be completely, you know, uh, roster, rostered every year. And then eventually it just gets you, – you get acceptance by the community where it's a fanfare event, and maybe at that point now the league grows in a sense where it's a, a five-year plan with six teams and it make, makes a growth in the community where it's an impact, and now people uh, recognize teams as no different than high schools or university teams. Absolutely, and that's, what, that's where we are right now. We've, we've built the league. We've got two teams. We've got other teams uh, building, and uh, hopefully next season we'll have uh, eight, six, eight teams, and uh, we'll be able to have uh, a full season against all those teams. It's not going to be fast, fast football uh, at the beginning because there will be, you know, there's going to be women from any level, from starters to experienced, 
mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll have to teach the basics and grow together. I think it's exciting, um, and to your point, it's it's always a, it's always hard at the beginning, but once everybody gets it and understands it, uh, hopefully, you know, they, the bug sticks in for them. And then it becomes a situation where they filter with friends and family and everybody else around them. And then it becomes more of a passion where we can start to grow the game. Like you said, uh, not that the men coaches are not, you know, net essential, but it would be nice to have, you know, certain coaches or certain female coaches that are no longer uh, able to play to start contributing on some of those squads so that it, they make an impact. Like you said, at a level where uh, women and girls are going to see that, okay, well, she played and she's now coaching and she's contributing to the game in that sense. And I can do that too. Yes, absolutely. And we're trying to also with the league have uh, football clinics available for women who would be interested in uh, coaching the sport or officiating or uh, jo- joining any league. So yes, we're trying to make it accessible for, uh, for all women. Well, I'm, I'm happy that I brought you on uh, to kind of give our audience uh, the international feel of the sport and also the passion for someone that is driving to instill and create and implement an uh, outlet for women and girls to excel in football, and especially in Canada. Canada is huge. It's, a, it's, a, it's been huge for a long time. You know, the Western Women's Canadian Football League has established themselves as one of the, probably the best leagues on the international level with, uh, you know, Valkyries and out there with the Regina Riot, uh, you know, rivalries and things like that. So they've done a really good job there. Maritime over with the St. John Storm uh, in that sense as well. So hopefully, you know, in the next couple of seasons here, you know, uh, we will start to see uh, the – top teams and top noticeable things like Montreal and Capitals uh, in, and then we're going to be talking Central Canada uh, Women's Football League. Yes, that's our vision, that's our dream, that's what we're aiming for, hopefully, and uh, I'm pretty sure uh, we'll get there. The way that things are going right now, the help that we're getting, uh, you will see us uh, in 2022 and in the following years up there uh, it might take us a little bit more time, but uh, we will absolutely be up there uh, with the uh, with the other two leagues in Canada, and maybe hopefully in in the far future uh, internationally. All right, we're, we're really excited for your venture. Uh, really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy and all that stuff, and I wanted to reach out to you because this is an exciting time for the sport in Canada, and we follow the sport globally, so. Uh, we wanted to bring you on to kind of express your vision, your joy, and obviously uh, the sacrifice you're going to make in the coming seasons to make this a successful branding and an outlet in Central Canada and also contribute to the sport overall in Canada, which is awesome. Well, I thank you very much for uh, inviting me, us, and uh, yes, we're very excited and we, we're happy and we're working very hard to get this uh, to get this out, to get this done, and to make it very successful. Sonia, thank you for your time. I will be in touch if you need any support or anything else in the future to get the word out or anything like that. We're here for you. Just message us, and uh, we'll get you back on so you can, you know, uh, put out anything else that you'd like to put out in terms of the before the season starts and uh, or anything new, something like that. We'll be keeping tabs on you, uh, as we all we do with every other league. 
but uh, really uh, excited for your new uh, venture and the opportunity for you to grow this league uh, to a elite league in Canada. Thank you very much, Oscar, for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great uh, evening. Get some rest, and we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. All right, Holly. Uh, you back, Holly? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, she oh. thought you dropped okay. off or ran off the road. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know what happened. I was just, I was just talking to myself, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, well, uh, it seemed like you're just, you fell off the side of the road or something. It's just the it's in the background. <laughs> um, no big deal. Um, so Sonia right there, uh, Holly, uh, what an awesome uh, woman, you know, she's uh, with a couple people here trying to put something together for opportunities for women in central Canada, which have never, they've never been in central Canada. Like to her point, it's just, it's amazing to, to, to it's kind of blows your mind that, uh, you know, in the biggest metro areas, in terms of in that in that area, there has never been an actual fledged league. Uh, Montreal has always had to play in the uh, with the U.S. league. Yeah, no, I think it's it's really awesome. And like she says, there was kind of it seems like a geographical like gap. Um, and if she's able to fill that in with uh, with her league, that's going to really help grow the sport in Canada. And and it sounds like she's. Uh, you know, has her uh, ducks in a row in that she really wants to do this right. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens. But, you know, I, I definitely, um, she seems like she has both the passion and the, and the knowledge to get, to get it done. Yeah, I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the uh, girls in that area and, and the provinces because, um, you know, in the future maybe we'll have a, you know, a competition type of mentality, a national type of uh, attitude where you get the, you know, the WWCFL and the Maritime and the, and the Central League all combined into maybe like a, a round-robin type mentality. That would be pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I think uh, Canada's always had, you know, strong players and they've uh, performed well in uh, the international, you know, competition. Um, so having this additional league, you know, maybe eventually uh, develops an even greater overall Canadian product. Um, so I definitely can see that happening. All right, Ali. Uh, the WFA announced a Breaking Barriers Award that will be uh, given or on, they will be honored at the championship game in uh, Tom Benson Stadium at Can- in Canton. And uh, the list includes uh, everybody pretty much in the NFL. Uh, Jennifer King, Lori Locust, Callie Branson, Andrea Douglas, and I think I'm missing two other names. Uh, I did not write them down, so I apologize. But there's about five that will be honored um, for the, you know, for spotlighting the sport on a on a big level, especially the WFA. So I think that's going to be pretty unique and exciting. Yeah, no, I, I really think, um, you know, awards and uh, recognition like this is extremely important. Um, because you're bringing women that have, uh, you know, produced in all these different areas of women's football together, and it's really cool. And I think it's really important, um, you know, for other uh, women that are attending these uh, these events and other young girls that are watching um, to see these women and to be exposed to the fact that that women can do these things. And I think it will only uh, continue to grow 
And so I think it's a really exciting list that they put together. Um, and I think it was a, a very uh, timely and smart idea as well. Yeah, when you have, um, I think uh, the other name that I didn't, uh, that I totally, you know, I wrote down my notes here. I'm flipping it over. Um, it's actually uh, very Lieberman, who can forget, uh, Born to Play, the director of the Born to Play. Oh, right. Which is a high honor. Definitely. And then uh, Kathy Curis, the director of Open Field as well as the other documentary that right. was uh, done with uh, Vanguard Muse. So those, uh, those two other additional uh, people, and we, under- we already know the impact that Born to Play has had. It's on Hulu now. It's on Netflix. Um, I mean, so we cannot be more than thankful to uh, Viri Lieberman for creating that. Oh, definitely. You know, I think as the sport has grown, um, the level of, you know, documentaries and, uh, I, uh, I guess, like media presence around it has really increased. And I think, um, uh, you know, uh, both uh, Born to Play and also Open Field, uh, have, basically they're, they're really good examples of how far we've come in documenting our journey. Um, and so I think both of those people are definitely deserving. Now you, you have uh, Andrea Douglas as well. Uh, I've met Andrea personally, just an amazing woman. Uh, Arthur of Black and Blue, which was uh, the you know kind of a history of the longest operating uh, women's tackle football in the world, which is the New York Sharks. And then you also have uh, Callie Branson, right, uh, coming from the first woman hired at, as a full-time NCAA Division One coach, then heading on to uh, the Cleveland Browns as she's currently in right now. Also had Lori Locus, a Super Bowl champion, Lori Locus, and then uh, Jennifer King as well uh, became the first black woman to become a full-time coach with the Washington football team. So um, I think the list is pretty on point, don't you think? Who better to have than that that list? Pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely on point. I think, you know, every single person on the list has uh, done tremendous work in, you know, whatever uh, arena they're in, and they're definitely all deserving of this recognition. Um, And I think as a whole, we can look at it as, um, you know, when they do awesome and good things, I feel like the whole sport feels like we've done awesome and good things. And I feel like that connection and that community that we have is really tight. And, you know, I always say that uh, women's football is basically a fraternity. So, you know, you can go across the country, across, you know, the globe, not know anything about a certain person and understand that they play or coach or they're involved in women's football and you instantly are friends. And I think that's really cool, and um, I think it'll be a really exciting uh, time when they, uh, you know, go through the recognition process for these people as well. Yeah, I'm going to kind of excited because I can't – I'm not going to be able to be there, unfortunately, uh, because of other things that came up with uh, health-related with family and stuff. But um, I'm pretty pretty excited for whoever's going to show up there in Canton uh, for the event, and this is going to be an awesome moment um, to witness. And also the fact that the you know the game itself, the All American game, and then this uh, is going to be a great event as well. So it's pretty pretty awesome weekend. Uh, this is going to uh, kind of like you know screw COVID, right? It's like it's not like, like screw COVID now, you know? Right? We're like we're hyped for the WNFC Nine Cup. We're hyped for the WFA National Championships. Um, so I, I guess yeah, that would be the theme if we had to do it. Hashtag screw COVID, you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, we were talking about how, 
obviously COVID was, has been a terrible time for everybody. But I think, you know, having that time off has done the sport a lot of good in some ways. I feel like both the WNSC and the WFA took that time that they had um, and used it wisely. And, you know, because I'm sure there, um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into running a league. Um, and I feel like, you know, maybe there was projects that they wanted to get to that they couldn't really get to before because they didn't have the time. But all of a sudden, then they do have the time. And it seems like that time has been uh, definitely used wisely, and you can see it um, from both leagues. Now, Franco Harris is going to be there, the great uh, NFL uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. He will be the presenter for the uh, Breaking Barriers WFA Honoree Award Show. And so those are the uh, award winners, Jennifer King, Larry, uh, Lori Locus, Callie Branson, Andrew Douglas, and you had uh, Barry Lieberman as well, and you had uh, Kathy uh, Curis, uh, Director of Open Field. So really, really awesome, and we're looking forward to some of the video and of the event as well. And uh, I think Kathy has worked with uh, Sammy Grisafi and uh on that you know on the venture there so that's really awesome as well uh born to play is on i believe on hulu and netflix so if you have hulu and netflix uh i encourage you to uh, go watch it it's pretty awesome and uh it was a really good uh documentary done on the boston renegades on uh, cali war and uh, basically the wfa in general so really really awesome um holly i don't know uh just an exciting time for the sport you are one step closer to Texas. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we got a ways to go. Yeah, I mean, obviously Texas is is the is the uh, beast on the block, and they're going to have. I'm sure they they know that they had the, the target because they they won the last um, the last championship for sure. Um, but we have to focus one game at a time. You know, we play um, a really quick and talented New Mexico team first. Um, then, you know, if we uh, take care of business, we're able to do what we need to do. We still have San Diego and Vegas, um, the winner of that game, waiting as well. So, yes, that's our goal is to get to, to you know, get to the championship, but uh, we have some work to do first. All right, you got to be humble, Holly. I think you're going to get there. Okay, if Gina Magana does her thing again, more than likely that's happening. I know Rasmussen's going to play the one game at a time dive deal with you guys, but I'm, I'm, I got to put my money down on the house and no disrespect. It just, it just seems like you guys are dialed and, and it, it looks like uh, this is going to be a great game ultimately. Cause I think they don't want to, you know, showcase a, a donut, especially in the, in a final like this, but I think they're going to come to play and uh, credit to them. But I, I really think that you guys are going to, you know, one step closer to Texas. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that um, the reason why you say one game at a time is because technically anything can happen. I mean, we, we can't predict, you know, uh, tomorrow as much as we um, can predict, you know, a couple weeks from now. And so really all you can control is what you can control. And so um, you want to focus one game at a time so you don't get ahead of yourself because that's where teams will get – uh, kind of big is if you're not taking it seriously, you're not respecting your opponent, you're not respecting the game, and that's when you know things can go off the rails. So that's why we have to focus one game at a time. 
um, you know, because I really do think that uh, New Mexico has talent, and I always thought that they had talent. And I, I really do think that Vegas and San Diego have talent. And so we have to respect them, we have to respect the game, and we have to come ready to play. Um, and you want to go, you know, if we're able to take care of business and, and, and you know, get to the championship game, you want to go in feeling comfortable that you are um, playing at a high level. So you want to come in with all the momentum at your back and feeling like, okay, like this is we're, we're playing our peak football right now, right? So uh, no matter which way you dice it, you have to take it one game at a time to take care of business and also take care of the little things because what people don't realize is, you know, sometimes – you might win a game, but there's a certain, um, you know, mistake or two that might bite you later if you don't take care of it. So you have to take it one game at a time. And I know what it's boring off here. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I mean, I get it from Rick all the time when I talk to him, right? It's like one game at a time. That's all we're doing is we're working on that one yeah, game. Yeah, he's, okay. he's, a, he's, a, he's basically he's like the Belichick. You're not going to get much out yeah. of him. <laughs> No, no, no. He's a one-liner and the same the same response. I totally get it, and and he's focused, and I totally understand why he's successful, right? <laughs> Belichick's successful too, yeah. and that's what you get at the podium. Yep. So we're yep. not jumping the we're not jumping the, the gun. Belichick. Yeah, we're not <laughs> jumping the gun, right? It's like we're we're focusing on oh, next yeah. week, and that's it. Yeah, and that's so all you can do is take one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I totally get it, but from a media perspective, you know, we go out of bounds. We're like, oh my god, if, this, if they go, if they do this and if they do that, we'll get there, and this will be the result, and we'll be happy. Just like Buck fans, right? It's like, I think Bernie's <laughs> happy right now that Giannis is in the playoffs, right? But if he goes down again, I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure there's going to be like, oh my god. Yeah. No. I mean, speaking of basketball, I think you know, and. Really thankful for Giannis that it, it looks like a terrible injury, so I'm glad he's back on the floor. But, you know, that's the same thing in the NBA, honestly. Like, in, in the playoffs, anything can happen, and you can't take anything for granted, and you have to play one game at a time. And, um, you know, for example, I've noticed a couple of times some, some of the younger teams in the NBA playoffs, right, they will get that game one on the road, and then they sit mm-hmm. back in game two, and they don't take advantage mm-hmm. of the opportunity and the momentum. That's not that they're not playing to win, but you can feel them pulling off the gas pedal, and then they let the other team back in the series. So, you know, mature teams understand that every game matters. That's why, you know, with a really good team, they want to get in, get out, take care of business, and move on. Um, and uh, so, you know, we have to have the mindset of every game matters because you don't want – to, to to open the door for anything. You want to take care of your business. Yeah, you don't want to be the first to get shocked or the first to be on that, oh, remember in 2021 when so-and-so got beat? <laughs> you don't want to be that oh, no, dark no, moment. Yeah, right? no. you don't want to, you nobody don't want wants to be that. <laughs> <laughs> no, All nobody right, Holly, uh, nobody, no, I appreciate um, you coming on. I'll give you one and, little. Uh, I look forward to you, uh, you having on the field uh, this next week. This weekend, uh, July 15th through the 17th, right? It's going to be in Salt Lake City. Huge event. Yeah. Falcons, La Muerte. Uh, it's going to be Las Vegas Silver Stars taking on the San Diego Rebellion. So it should be a great weekend in the WNFC. So they're all done. But uh, we wish you luck. Uh, injury-free. 
and one step closer to the nine cup. All right. Thank you, Oscar. Have a good week. Enjoy it, okay? Safe travels. All right, guys, that was uh, Hall of Famer Holly Custis getting ready and prepped and hyped for the July 15th through the 17th uh, Pacific Conference Championship. As she said, her Utah Falcons will be taking on Las Cruces, La Muerte de Las Cruces, and we're going to have the uh, other matchup, San Diego Rebellion, taking on Las Vegas Silver Stars. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting for the time for the WNFC. So let's go into the uh, second hour here. We're going to bring in uh, the talented backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, in the house. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. We're just talking to Holly. I'm trying to get Holly to say, yeah, my Utah's going to beat. La Muerte, we're good, and we're moving on to the nine-cup, but just couldn't get it to get her to do <laughs> no, it. No, that's just never going to happen until it actually happens. <laughs> yeah, and Rick, I think Rick was coaching her too good right there. You know, like Rick, like one game at a time, we're not focused on the nine-cup, we're focused on the La Muerte, the Las Cruces. Yeah, and of course they are, you know, as they should be. Um, but um, you you got to take it with a grain of salt when they say they're not looking ahead. If they say they're not looking ahead, everybody looks ahead a little bit, you know. Um, but true to form and as they should, you got to focus on the task at hand because um, that's the most important thing. All right. I'm going to bring in, uh, Mark, let's bring in Brian Sweeney here to give us the lowdown on the July 10th events here. So let's bring him in and then we'll talk it over. Hey, football fans. Brian Sweeney, voice of the Women's Football Alliance Division One. National Championship game. It's Conference Championship Weekend. Twelve teams playing for the six remaining spots across the three divisions are all looking to stay on the road to Canton. The National Championships in Canton, Ohio, July 23rd and 24th. In Division Three, we had four great games. The opening weekend of the playoffs, two of those games decided by a single possession. With a 29-8 victory over the Music City Misfits, the Derby City Dynamite will host the New York Knockout after their 25-20 squeaker over the Capital City Savages for the Division III National Conference title in Louisville, Kentucky. For the American Conference, the Arizona Outcasts showed why they are the real deal by taking care of the Capital Pioneers 51 to nothing. They'll be welcoming the Iowa Phoenix to the City of Phoenix after winning their first-ever playoff game over the OKC Lady Force in a 30-27 to 27 game of inches. Over in Division Two, we saw last season's Division Three national champion, the Nevada Storm, take care of business by defeating the Mile High Blaze 34-20. Now 7-0 in their first season of D2 play, the Storm will host the 6-1 Houston Energy in the American Conference Championship. The 5-2 Jacksonville Dixie Blues beat the Miami Fury in an 8-0 nail-biter to advance to the National Conference Championship at the Detroit Dark Angels, who at 4-3 beat the Baltimore Nighthawks 12-0. There were only two games in Division I played in the first round of the playoffs. Tampa Bay traveled to D.C. and walked away with a 35-6 victory. Tampa now 7-0 will travel to Boston and play the reigning back-to-back champion 5-0 Renegades for the National Conference Championship. The 7-1 Cali War, having not played in almost a month, will be traveling to play the 7-0 Minnesota Vixen for the American Conference Championship after Minnesota won their third straight game against teams from Texas by beating Arlington 24-14. 
As the playoffs continue, we again will bring you two games of the week on national broadcasts. In Division Two, we will highlight the 6-1 Houston Energy and the 7-0 Nevada Storm for the American Conference Championship. And in Division One, we'll also look at the American Conference Championship game as the 7-1 Cali War are on the road at the 7-0 Minnesota Vixen. Six of these remaining 12 teams will end up in Canton, Ohio later this month for the national championships. Follow For the Fans HQ on Twitter and Instagram to find where you can watch the games of the week. And remember to follow the Women's Football Alliance on all social media platforms. Tickets are available to the national championship weekend July 23rd and 24th in Canton, Ohio by heading to www.hofvillage.com and clicking on events. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Underscore Announcer Guy. I'm Brian Sweeney, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, Mark, the lowdown right there. Brian laid it out. This is the weekend, July 10th, and we're going to get the clashes of clashes. Your renegades are going to take on the Tampa Bay Inferno. We talked to the Inferno last weekend, and so uh, I think they're ready. This is a big challenge for Tampa Bay, but ultimately – uh, I think Boston is geared up for one step closer to, to return to Canton. That was really a great interview uh, that you did last week with um, a Tampa Bay Inferno. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, coaches, uh, not just coaching the players, but also what they say. And, you know, it seemed like everybody was um, um, kind of saying the same thing from, from Tampa Bay, that they're, they're focused inward, right, on themselves and trying to control the things that, that they can do as a team um, and really, keep, you know, keeping all the focus inward and not worrying about even who their opponent is. Certainly they're looking at the film, but uh, they know that they can only control themselves. And I certainly think that's the best approach that um, a team, any team can take in the playoffs is to um, – make sure that they can perform and compete to the best of their ability because that gives them the best shot to win the game. Um, so, yeah, great we, interview. We heard Kenny Thompson Julia Turner also with that sentiment, as you're pointing out. Yes, absolutely. And, um, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, um, when you when you can compete to the best of your ability, that gives you the – the best chance of, of of winning the game. So I think we're going to see a good game in Boston. I, you know, I think all these matchups are really good. Uh, last week, you know, every victory was a pretty impressive victory. So, um, I, you know, all these teams uh, deserve to be where they're at here. Um, and we've got a really great slate of games uh, in the WFA next week. All right. Uh, so the two games that Brian was mentioning – we will get to see, and we talked about it, uh, Mark. Houston Energy was on for the fans early in the season. Now we get to see Houston Energy, Nevada Storm, and we're going to get to see it. Not just, okay, it's not viewed or anything. We are literally going to get popcorn and, and candy and everything ready to go. The Storm, the Energy, pretty big game. This is a, this is a huge game because given Nevada so much success this, this season, and I think Houston has been under the radar somewhat. Uh, I think the expectations there for an upset of, of some sort, or are we going to continue to see the storms move movement into uh, Canton? 
Uh, well, my gut is telling me that, that Nevada will, will pull out the win. Um, they're at home, and I think that's a tough place for any team to go to go into. Um, obviously, Houston is thinking very differently. <laughs> the energy um, is, is hoping that, they, I think, uh, now flying under the radar and might be able to catch uh, the storm off guard um, with uh, some more dy- dynamic play. We'll we'll have to see, you know, what what the uh, Houston Energy can accomplish on offense. I'm really interested to see if they can throw the ball. Um, um, and as you say, we'll get to see it, uh, which is great. Two games of the week. And uh, this is, yeah, this is, this is definitely um, the one that, that I'm very intrigued by. Um, I've been lucky to be able to uh, watch uh, the Nevada Storm on um, the CSTV Roku channel. Um, so, uh, but I have not yet gotten to see the Houston Energy play. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, Mark, uh, Houston, well-known for the season to put up 50 burgers all season, uh, minus the uh, the tough battle in Arlington. I was like back in week, I think week two or back in May. Other than that, they have just completely are able to put uh, touchdowns and touchdowns and scoring and, and everything else. So that will be a challenge for Nevada because I think Nevada has the opportunity, as we mentioned uh, last week, has the opportunity to slow things down and will – uh, energy will are they going to be able to kind of work in that aspect? They have done it before. Uh, I think against Arlington it was eight to seven. That was their win, so they did play pretty tough there. But the rest of the games, uh, they're used to literally scoring at will, which Nevada doesn't allow you to do on defense. That's right. Uh, you know the time of possession and, and con- controlling the ball is uh, that's that's Nevada's game and. <laughs> It, it's uh, you know they're obviously they're going to try and do that and uh, just keep the the ball in their hands for as long as possible uh, and to that end special teams uh, may pay, play a very big factor in this game um, with field position and um, you know it it could it could turn the tide in, in a close game as well um, so. Um, be on the lookout for the special teams play and, and, and see who can sort of, um, uh, I guess, in, in force their will on the, on the other team in terms of, you know, making them start from behind their own 20, uh, making sure that, you know, kick returns, uh, you know, don't get any more than, than a few yard, you know, a few yards on a return, um, stuff like that. Well, we know what Plummer's all about. Uh, we understand, you know, the run game for them. Uh, uh, Feckler also on the passing game as well as a former as a quarterback. Uh, we know what Michelle's going to do, uh, Michelle Ogent. Uh, and then we also know what Sarah uh, Sarah Colangelo brings on, on onto the uh, onto the masses. So, uh, if you're in Nevada and if you're coach the coach of Nevada, you're really dissecting the energy to to your point to kind of contain the energy, right? The more containment, the less opportunity for them to be explosive, that probably gives you an advantage. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're going to want to control the line of scrimmage. They're, they're going to want to be the ones setting the edge and, and not letting 
um, uh, Houston set the edge. We want to make them, you know, uh, not let them run downhill, just, just make them go side to side and just, you know, hold them to a few yards on, on, every, on every play if they can on those rushing plays. So that's, you know, yeah. and, and if they can, if the energy can pass the ball downfield, uh, it could be a very interesting game. So the only uh, gripe that we have when we get to this stage of the year is the fact that some teams do not report stats, and there's no way we can break it down on a media level to give it, you know, the fans some of the excitement. So if you go to the uh, page for the Houston Energy, Houston has not submitted any stats all year. So that yeah, this is, this has kind of been one of my pet peeves. I think since I started following the game, like whatever, 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago. It's, um, yeah, when the stats aren't there, it, it's really hard to get a picture of um, um, of what a team is, 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 is good at, what, what their weaknesses are. And I, I'm not saying it's a strategic call to, like, not report stats, although, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's been done in the past. Um, but, um, you know, most of the time it's, it's about capacity, but it, you know if you're trying to be as professional as possible, and really if you if you honor the players that play, you report your stats, because if you're not reporting you know your stats, then you know you're not honoring your players, you're not honoring your team, you know the the legacy that they're creating, you know each and every game is is lost. It it instead of uh, being accessible to everybody to, to, to know, it, you know, it, it's in a notebook somewhere. And that's, that's just not cool. Report I think the mandate, should be, the mandate should be that you have to, you have, to have somebody on, on site, on staff, I don't care if it's an intern or a volunteer, whoever's on, in the game should be able to take down stats. I mean, it's not that hard to do, to take down stats. Right. It's almost, I mean, no I think most of the time, you know, they, you know, these type of volunteers are, are in every organization. I, I'm pretty sure they're mm-hmm. taken because the coaches want the stats, right? It's just reporting right. them to the league, using the apparatuses that are out there. Um, uh, that's where, you know, where there's failure. Um, you know, if, if, if the league had more money to, had official, to have official stats, keepers at every game that are independent of the teams and stuff like that. You know, that's a next level sort of thing uh, that right. next, next level leagues have. But unfortunately, we but don't think, have it. I think team ownership and franchise responsibility, to your point, should be that, right? Because you owe it to the players, you owe it to the fans, you owe it literally to give a blueprint of how exciting you're. If you don't have any stats, how are you going to market that your team is explosive your team is exciting to come to watch. So that also is a, is a, a marketing downfall. So you got to think about that. So uh, Houston, if you're listening, you know, let's just do a better job. Just get your stats up there. It's not that hard to do. You make commitment for other things. This is one of them that needs to be committed to. So let's, let's work on that. Uh, but Houston will take on Nevada. We're going to be able to see it live, which is pretty exciting. And then we're also going to get uh, Detroit in Division Two is going to take on Jacksonville. So Detroit, you said, Mark, this is a crucial game. One step closer to getting back to the final. 
Jacksonville, nothing to lose. We talked about it last week. So uh, this is going to be an interesting game to, uh, to kind of watch the result. It, will it be a tough defensive battle, or is it going to be a blowout? Um, you know, I, I think I'm leaning towards more of a, a, a closer battle. I think it would be kind of a, a, low scoring, uh, a low scoring game. Of course, it could be wrong. Um, I think I, I think Detroit has the edge, and um, you know I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna put up 50, 50 points on Jacksonville, but yeah maybe they will. You know I'd be surprised if it ends up being like a sort of a high scoring blowout, um, but I expect Detroit to to pull out the victory. I, um, you know they're a tough team. Uh, they're they're going to try and run the ball on Jacksonville. They haven't had a lot of success throwing the ball downfield, but they've had their moments. So um, there could be a few plays, a few big passing plays for Detroit. Uh, but their kicking game is pretty is pretty strong. They've got a great place kicker uh, who can play kick field goals and extra points. She's, she's a pretty solid um, Sarah Monty and. Um, uh, you know, just as far as punting and kickoffs go, they they do that pretty well. So when you have, if they're going to be in an, in a close game and and they have that advantage, um, uh, then I, then I I feel like, you know, they're probably going to pull out the victory. I think that Tweedy and company are going to have to really, uh, you know, stand the stand the stand the course like they've been doing all season. If they if they edge Detroit, this would be a huge accomplishment for them in a, a, a in a season mentality because they've gotten to a point where they've taken care of business in season, and this is kind of a deserving trip to the final. Where Detroit is from last year's, you know, uh, they just want to get back and they kind of try to prove that they're worthy of a championship. And whether they face Houston or Nevada, it's going to be that kind of mentality for them. So I, I agree. It's going to be probably one or the other, but more than likely it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I think. And, you know, if Jacksonville does, does pull it out, I mean, wow, that would be obviously a great win for them, um, uh, you know, a great way to keep their season going. This has been a great season for Jacksonville. There's, you know, win or lose, they've, they've had a, a fantastic season. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of good to see them back, you know. Um, they're always kind of in the playoff mix, um, you know, earlier in the decade, um, uh, I guess, you know, 2010, 11, right in around there. Um, and they've been a bit more quiet the last few years. So it's really good to see, uh, the Dixie Blues sort of back in the, in the playoff picture. And, um, it, it says a lot about their organization, about how, how long lived they've been, and um, how persistent they've been, and now and now they're uh, they're really doing some great things on the field. And I think it's going to be a credit to their whole season if they do get over this and you know sort of surpass Detroit. It will be somewhat of a disappointing season for Detroit in that sense if they don't get back to the to the national stage. So interesting matchup, Detroit Jacksonville, just like we're going to see Nevada versus Houston. Uh, let's go to Phoenix. The uh, outcast we talked about last week, uh, Renee Ramos and Jasmine Rainey have been playing lights-out ball. 
in terms of scoring and, you know, just literally just taking care of business. And so Iowa comes in here with nothing to lose but to shock the D3 division. If they can pull this win, contain the outcast, if they can do this, then we, this will be, I would say, if, they, if that is the result, it will be the, the upset of the weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it depends on um, <laughs> depends on some of the other games, but um, I, w- I would say that would be a strong upset. Yeah, um, uh, the Outcasts are are looking very strong. Just the sheer number of points they've they put up is it's it's eye popping, and um, it, it makes it hard to imagine scenario where um, the Iowa Phoenix are um, going to outpace the Outcasts. But um, uh, so it would. I I think it would be quite an upset. Um, I I think yeah. I, I think mean, if, it would, you're, if you're Arizona, Mark, you get to this point. You just took care of Capital Pioneers, which were undefeated. They had no answer for this offense. They put a 51 points on them. So if you're Iowa and you watch that film or you you're watching that game, it's like your goal is literally defensively to be stout in order for you to slow down this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, I think it's very clear that they need to key in on um, stopping Jasmine Reining. Uh, and, you know, that's that, you know, I want to say that's the whole game, but um, that's a huge part of the game. Um, you know, reigning success in this game is going to, you know, spell the fortunes for, for the outcast and, and the Phoenix. So uh, they really need to key in on her and, and find a way to slow her down. Yeah. And that's why, that's my point. It's like they, they need to find a solution for her because um, if you find a solution for her, the opportunity is for forcing the outcast to throw, which they can throw. But if the ground game is not as effective as it's been for them, there's an opportunity uh, for them to really um, hone in on Rainey. And we're talking about um, Essence Bell and Jennifer Trevelin and Shannon Christensen uh, and Jen Ward. So we're throwing all those names out because that's the Phoenix defense. So if they, if those, you know, those four ladies there can uh, hone themselves on Rainey, the opportunity and the chance is there for the Iowa Phoenix to really, you know, try to make an upset here one step closer to the national final. I don't think they want to just go into Arizona and just kind of give away, but uh, Christina Garriaga and Emily O'Brien, I think that that they've been playing pretty good ball on offense, but I really believe the defense is going to be the key and the difference if they even get surpassed the outcast. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think I'm pretty sure that they're looking at all the film that they can very, very carefully. Unfortunately, you know, none of the teams that the Outcasts have faced uh, have stopped Reining. They lost one game against the Trojans, but um, Reining did not play in that game. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> they're going to have to look at all these other, you know, they're just going to have to look play-by-play play to see, <laughs> see uh, you know, any plays where, you know, she, she didn't get any yardage. She was stopped short or whatever. So that's a, that's a, that's a tough task. But that's what they—that's the level that they're going to have to get to, 
I think, um, in their defensive game planning. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's what they're up to. Uh, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, and the key note is going to be uh, contain Rainey, and you you get a, you have a chance defensively minus any injuries. If the if the Phoenix can stay healthy, they have a, they have an opportunity to slow down the game just like they did with OKC. And if they if you can slow down the game, you're going to give your chance an opportunity to win. So uh, it's really containing the offense, containing offense for Arizona. You get a chance to win. So defensively, that's going to be the key for Phoenix. In the other matchup, the knockout. I don't want to say that their schedule has been soft, Mark, but I do want to say that their schedule has been soft. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you're going up against Derby, Derby's been brutally tested in that mid, mid, Midwest. So uh, can we say maybe Derby's more battle-tested than New York? And, uh, you know, if you're New York, if you're listening, we're not saying you're soft. We're just saying competitiveness in terms of competition uh, maybe this is another level of competition they're going to face against Derby. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what we're going to that's what we're going to see. Uh, to the knockouts' credit, you know the the Capital City, City Savages uh, were no pushover this year, and uh, you know they got the win in in a tight game, a hard fought game, um, you know twenty five to twenty, and you know again that's a team that they hadn't met before, and um, you know, they, they pulled out that victory. So, you know, kudos to the knockout. But I agree that uh, Derby City is is on a kind of a different level um, in terms of uh, how battle-tested they are. You know, they faced – I mean, they played Detroit, you know, um, twice this year. Not just once, but twice, you know. And they've had um, very hard-fought games – uh, with their rival, uh, the Music City Misfits. So um, I would definitely say that um, Derby City has, has the upper hand here. Um, they are a more experienced team, um, even at the, at, you know, at, the, at the player level, as an organization. Um, I, mean, I think this would be a, big, this would be a, a huge upset if, if New York uh, can... Uh, pull out a victory, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I I, I think um, uh, Derby City is is equipped to uh, to win this and advance the championship game. I know Thelma uh, Thelma Bank. She's not wanting to <laughs> end it here. I can tell you that when we interviewed her, this is this is the moment she wants to go to Canton. She wants to be in Canton, uh, but it's going to oh. be a test, a big test. Uh, Denise Pack, Catherine Mikowski, Jennifer Hansler, Lauren Eichmick, and uh, Krista West, all of those ladies right there, your focus is to slow down Derby and make it a defensive game. It's the only way you're going to win here. Um, I think overall in terms of you know the, the passing game, uh, they have done really well. But like I said, competition-wise, you know, you'll be tested. So can, can at this point – can uh, Eden Messimer and uh, Krista West and uh, Aliana Lang, can they create enough offense and trouble for the Derby defense for them to, I would say, upset? And to your point, it would be an upset. If Derby went down, New York beats them, uh, this would be a story to tell for a couple seasons to come. 
Oh, no doubt, no doubt. That would be the same story as, uh, what did we say, the Wildcats, remember? The Wildcats had to go from from uh, all the way down from their home to the to the west and then all the way back east, remember? Well, that was an amazing, I mean, that was amazing. We're talking, we're going a few years back, but, you know, when they made that road trip out to uh, what, Oregon? <laughs> Oregon, yeah. Uh, from Arkansas, and they won mm-hmm. that. When they win, won that, I knew that they were going to win that championship. I mean, that's that's a special. That was a special thing. I mean, they drove, right? They drove. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wasn't that? I didn't all go their separate ways. That was that a team building experience, right? And Mark, um, that was eleven players. Eleven yeah. players, right? That's and you right. think about the injuries, the sacrifice, the, the wear and tear, right? And the fact that you had to drive to Oregon and then drive your butt back from Oregon and Arkansas and go to the championship. My God, uh, you know, I, I, can't, I just can't forget it. It's, it's ingrained in my head. That's why I mentioned it. Because that it's is funny that you mentioned it because I, I was just thinking about that just, uh, just yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that team. Um, and... and you know, that's just one of these things. These great stories they they happen in in women's football, and in this league, and um, you know every team every team has has their own story. You know, knockout has their own story too. And um, sure. you know, it, it's been quiet for that. It's been quiet for them. You know, in their first few years, um, you know they have they haven't gotten a lot of victories and and therefore haven't gotten a lot of fanfare. This is really for the the first season that uh, you know many people outside their own little area outside of their schedule have taken notice of them. Um, uh, but it's great for them. I, I'm glad to see their you know their success um, and putting together some victories. And um, no matter how it ends this year, you know I, I hope they have continued success next year. Especially as you know, uh, there's more c- competition is going to come their way, and it will because you know it's had a winning season. So other teams are going to want to want to have them on their schedule. It's it's uh, uh, nothing but good things are going to come from this season for the knockout. And then, like I said, uh, you know, yeah, give a shout out to the, uh, Week Eight Player of the Week, uh, Elena Lang from the knockout as well. So uh, defensively. Uh, are, we might be shocked, right? When the knockout knocks out the derby, <laughs> that'll be, I the, would be the word, right? <laughs> so we might be shocked, and I know New York's probably listening to us. But not not that we're putting you down. You did win every game you had to win, uh, but you know, derby's on a different. I think in in terms of overall, derby, it's a different scope. But hey, that's why we don't play the games, and that's why you guys would have to surprise us with the result. And then, then we'd have to eat crow <laughs> the week after. <laughs> we know how that good that feels for for the players. Yeah, too. it's not it's not good for us that we have to eat crow and admit to the fact that we probably didn't didn't do our homework, I guess. But uh, overall, Derby, New York's gonna be great. Arizona, Iowa, uh, Nevada, you'll get to see against Houston, which is what we wanted to see. Uh, so, Mark, Cali War, Minnesota, Town Square, it's gonna have it. For the fans, as Brian mentioned, um, Cali War, a different team than the past years, not as experienced. Uh, Minnesota, very experienced and deep. So 
Uh, the expectation is here is, you know, are we going to be shocked if Cali War makes, uh, you know, wins against Minnesota? Hell, we are. But uh, the expectation is obviously Minnesota to move on. Yeah, I would say that's the uh, the expectation of many. Um, certainly, um, you know, they're going to play the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, Cali's chance to, you know, see if they can put it all together. You know, it's been a tough season for them. As you said, you know, um, the team's very different than it was last year. Um um, you know, Wiggins was, was out for a few games and, um, you know, I don't think we ever really saw the Cali war completely start to start to click, but if they are going to start to click, this is the game that you, they want to do it in. So, I, I mean, I think that's what we're going to be looking for, um, is, you know, can Cali wars offense be cohesive, um, and can, can they just start moving the ball in, in, in chunks and, uh, you know, putting up the points? Um, the defense, on the other hand, is a, it, that's a different story because uh, stopping Minnesota has been, like, very prolific with, with their scoring this year. Is, uh, that's a big task for anybody. Um, and I, I'm not really sure. I, I haven't really looked particularly closely at uh, the Cali Wars defense. I don't know how much turnover – they have there how many how many um, first and second year players might be playing key positions there, um, but you know we know just by virtue of the fact that that Minnesota has offensively just been so strong that um, you know obviously that's going to be one of the key focuses for the Cali War in this game is uh, trying to minimize the point scoring on them. It's going to be a different challenge for uh, Chantel Nino Wiggins to take a somewhat rookie team and put it on her back and take them into the next round to the finals. So this is a huge test for the for the quarterback, huge test for uh, Singleton uh, Mott, a uh, huge test for uh, Lenora Washington as well, uh, Brianna Barrett, uh, Lanika Manning, as one of the leaders here on the team, one of our no joke football athletes there, uh, Delaney Hall uh, as well. So there's a couple elements in this team to, uh, you know, it's it's now or never, right, Mark? This is literally what it boils down to Cali War, now or never. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I and, mean, you know, I, I think, you know, the uh, one of the keys uh, of for, for success for the Cali War is, is being able to to run the ball um, and uh, effectively and get yards so that the whole thing doesn't have to fall on on Wiggins. Now she's more than capable, but if you know she need you know they're going to need help. Everybody's going to need to pitch in, and I, I think the the running game is going to be key. If if Callie cannot uh, get yards on the ground. Uh, it's going to be a long day for them. The only stat that I look at, Mark, when I start to evaluate all these, you know, how you get the numbers in, the fact is that Cali War doesn't have any defensive stat for a loss. If you look at Minnesota, there is like a slew of 10 to 15 players that create losses combined. 
solo tackles, everything else. So that tells me one thing. They are aggressive. And offensively, that offensive line for Cali War is going to have to hold up really good because uh, the Vixen is very aggressive with uh, Ninas, Winston, Schwartz, uh, Mikey, uh, Blessy. I mean, you, you, I can just go on and on. They are aggressive. And so not to take away from the offense, because we know what the offense can do, but defensively, uh, this Vixen team is aggressive. Oh, a- absolutely. I, I mean, certainly um, they're one of the team, teams to beat going forward. Uh, they're extremely aggressive. I mean, they're, so, they're hungry. You know, they want to get to this championship. They, uh, they think, you know, they, they're another comeback story uh, in a sense. I, I think because we've been around a while, we, you know, certainly consider the Vixen as, you know, sort of, you know, one of the great teams of, of women's football history. But they haven't always been as competitive as they are this year. Uh, uh, this is the best year that they've had um, uh, in a while. Like, uh, so to, to say that they're aggressive is, is kind of an understatement. <laughs> they're definitely no, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this is this is the this is their image. This is this is what they started the year with, right? This is a steamroll mentality. It's kind of reminds you of your Renegades in a way. Every game, go all out. Every game matters. Blow it out. I don't know if that rhymes, but it rhymed for me. But there it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think they've taken that that um, taken a very similar approach to the Renegades and a lot of other teams. Is is that you know every every game they play is uh, an opportunity to um, um, get better. Uh, there's a saying, "What well, iron sharpens iron," right? So mm-hmm. when you're play- when you're playing a game. Um, you know, it, that's, you're, you're still, you're still learning. You're still using every opportunity you can get, uh, until the last whistle to, um, to, to make your team better. And, you know, I think they've done that. I, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're the team to beat out West and, um, we're going to see if Cali War can, Sort of turn somehow turn the tables on them and uh, be you know try and be more physically aggressive um, than the Vixen to get a shot and win this game. So we're going to get to see front and center Aaron McIsaac, and we're going to see front and center Grace Cooper. And so we've already seen front and center Grace Cooper all year, and then also Samantha Barber and and I believe it's uh, uh, Kea uh, Segula. So uh, we know what the Vixen's about. Can the Cali War surprise us? Basically, that's going into this game. That's the story. All right. Boston, Tampa Bay, uh, probably get to see it on Facebook Live. I don't know if they're going to do anything with that game. I I presume they would do something with that game. Hopefully, it'll be a Facebook Live of some sort. Uh, So it's your Renegades, Tampa Bay. We talked to Candy Thompson. Talk to Julia Turner. They're ready. They know what your renegades bring. We talked to Erin Turex last week, and she knows that they she can't, you know, just punch it in and thinking that Tampa's just going to be a, 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 a checkoff. So a really good good battle on the East Coast, and it's going to be in Boston. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Cahill taking on Shaw. 
right? Uh, you know, two uh, of the game's sort of uh, veteran quarterbacks, a couple really great quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, Shaw's 55 years old now. Uh, I mean, that tells you how much she loves the game. It also tells you how proficient she is, um, if she's still the starting quarterback, you know. Um, I, yeah, I, I think this will be a really fun game. It, if, if something is online, it would be on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, that, that tends to be um, – uh, that's the main way that uh, the Renegades uh, put their games online. I haven't got any official word on, on whether or not it's going to be streamed. But um, certainly if you're interested in, in, in watching, check out Facebook Live um, at game, you know, game time. Uh, see if if there's a if there's a lineup and if not certainly there's going to be uh, you know game updates and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it's it, you know Tampa Bay's they, they've got a big offensive line. That's and they they like to run the ball, and that's what they do. And the the, the Renegades defense uh, they excel at stopping teams from from running. So um, it's, it's, it's just going to be smash mouth football. This is what we're going to see. All right. So that's the WFA lineup next week. We have WNSC big weekend. So we'll dive into the uh, WNFC weekend in terms of what's going to happen there. So go to the Facebook page, Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. Get the lowdown on everything that's going to happen in the WNFC as well. Uh, the road to the Nine Cup, Pacific Conference, plus the Atlantic Conference, Mississippi, Texas Elite Spartans. We've got Alabama taking on KC, Rebellion, Las Vegas, Utah, La, uh, La Muerte de las Cruces. It's going to be right there, front and center, WNFCfootball.com. You get it right there. The announcement also, Mark, uh, before we bring in uh, Nate Ward here, announcement was um, WNFC Cox Sports TV uh, is also going to cover the Nine Cup with Eleven Sports via network for the fans. Also, will broadcast as well. So, uh, big announcement here prior to the Nine Cup. So that's going to be great. Uh, good marketing, number one. Number two, awesome exposure. Yes, uh, yes, definitely good marketing. Um, Good, good time to announce it. They're just on top of stuff like that. Um, so hey, we get to you know see the nine cup in uh, more places, um, and that's 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 great for the fans. It's going to be an awesome weekend as well. So we'll, we're going to dive into WNFC next week exclusively. We'll get the results for the WFA weekend. Shockers, excitement. We're going to be diving into Nevada, Houston this weekend. Cali War, uh, also against. Um, Minnesota, and then all the other games as well. So let's bring in Nate Ward here in the house, ex-league insider Nate Ward. Nate, how's it going today? I'm doing all right, Oscar. How about yourself? We're just talking uh, WFA here. We're going to dive into the international scene right now. Uh, we're going to just uh, – Mark, uh, Not I wasn't so shocked that Turku took down Helsinki in Maple League, but in, in a sense, as I messaged to you, uh, they didn't have their key hitters in terms of uh, Nick Kander and, and Yarn, uh, which they're over in Germany. So that is a big factor as well. So maybe that's the reason Leah Kaza and company did a number on Helsinki week one. 
Yes, I also saw, saw that uh, Kusinen did not, it looks like she didn't play, so, you know, they didn't have their, you know, uh, their best fullback, and arguably, you know, one of the best running backs in Europe. So, um, that said, I mean, that was, it's still a very, very a big victory for the Turku Trojans. And they put up, I mean, they put up great numbers, so... Um, um, an impressive win for them in the Maple League. Um, the other one, uh, Nate, was the Bouncers. Uh, shout out of West Coast Phoenix. The Bouncers bumped out, bumped up from Division One, going to Maple League this season as the new team. And a pretty impressive win against West Coast Phoenix. West Coast, pretty staple team in Maple. Um, all the games you could watch in Europe at Rutu Plus. R U U T U Plus. So you get it right there if you go to the hub at Facebook.com. But um, at this point, uh, Nate, pretty pretty good first win for the bouncers in a new uh, upgraded you know division. Uh, it's yeah, I mean it's it's a morale boost. Uh, you get that, you know it's it's always a feel good feeling when when you get that first win. I I know that firsthand from when I managed the high school team was just. To finally get that first win after trying and trying and trying again, there's no other feeling like it, and they, that has to be that has to feel good and has to make them feel confident going into next week. Um, I mean, I can't imagine them not wanting to have that feeling again and again and again, and just wanting to strive to pick up from where they left off. And the other uh, mark, the other game was in Division One, uh, which in in Finland, just for the American um, listeners. In Finland, we have the same thing as the WFA. So we have the WFA, you know, uh, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. Uh, the only difference in Finland is uh, Maple League is considered Tier 1. Division 1 is considered Tier 2. And then Division 2 is considered Tier 3. So just clarity there. So everybody uh, who's listening in Europe is going to get it right, Oscar, because that's what it is. Um, so it's Coda Eagles. Uh, defeated the Roosters. Roosters, not the same team as in past seasons. They're uh, basically new squads, rookies. So 60-0 to zero were Coda. Uh, Coda Eagles, a little bit more experienced team, and the result shows it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got um, – uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it, was a big, it was a big number that they put up, 60 points. Uh so that's, I mean, that's a pretty wild, that's a pretty wild victory. Unfortunately, the stats aren't available um, for this game, but that's certainly an eye-popping score. So the weekend coming up here, uh, we are going to have uh, Nate coming up here in week two uh, this coming weekend on top of the WFA weekend of action here in North America. The Bouncers will take on Helsinki, uh, Helsinki Wolverines. One and O bouncers taking on O and one Helsinki, so this is a, a pretty good rebound game for Helsinki if they can. Otherwise, the bouncers what an impressive start if they can get this win against Helsinki this weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they match up. It's always fun when you have two O and one teams that have every bit to play for. Um, you know, like, like you said with Helsinki, a great rebound game, but if they can't do it, then you know why not have on the opposite end that feel-good moment of registering the first win and getting off to a hot start. So it's, it's, it's 
it's good either way if you're a viewer. I don't know if the coaches feel the same way if they're on the losing end, but as far as a viewership and a fan point of view goes, it's, it's a good game all around to, to, to have the view. And, Mark, uh, West Coast Phoenix uh, coming off that beatdown, uh, you know, against uh, Turku, they need to get a rebound here. They really need to muscle up. But, unfortunately, uh, I'm seeing uh, West Coast Phoenix against the bouncers, I meant. Now they, go, now they yeah, make Turku, that's not good. hard to go to try and get a rebound against uh, uh, a team that's uh, kind, you know, kind of stacked with some stars. We talked about uh, Leah Casas and uh, – uh, she ran for over 100 yards uh, in that game, scored uh, two touchdowns, I think. Um, uh, their pass, their you know, their passing was was pretty good in that game too. Um, you know, about 170 yards. Uh, JJ Salas got a touchdown and uh, 97 yards. So when you're <laughs> when you're coming off a uh, a loss and and you're going in against a team that's hot. That's that's a pretty tough order there for the uh the West Coast Phoenix. Yeah, I know I I think at this point uh they have an opportunity to really take over the Maple. If they can go 2 and 0 Turku here and you get a Helsinki to go 0 and 2, it's going to be a very surprising season for them. So I I don't know yeah. if uh you know, if that's going to be a great thing for Helsinki. But they did lose some key players, as we mentioned earlier. So that's going to be a dynamic change for them as a team. The Bouncers looks like to be the number two team right now early season. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, in Division One, week four, this coming weekend, uh, the Crocs against the Jaguars, both teams uh, winless at this point. Northern Light just kicking butt this season uh, through, the, uh, through the, uh, um, the season so far. They take on Tampere. That's going to be a very good clashing game, so looking forward to that. Helsinki Wolverines, the top team, I mean the, the blue, uh, Helsinki Blue, which is in the Division One team, they'll take on uh, Loya Linesis with our no-joke football athlete, uh, Ellie Mazzola. So uh, interesting, uh, Loya did not play the first week because of uh, cancellation. So now they're ready. They had a couple weeks to prepare, so that's going to be an interesting game. So, uh, Nate, uh, in Division One here, uh, a lot of the teams really – need to just kind of try to step up. La Oil needs to get their first win, um, and Jaguars and Crocs are winless on both sides. So uh, these teams really need uh, – one of them needs to stand out. They're going to start standing out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stand out, step up, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it's early enough that we can find, you know – who the who the real dogs in the pack are, and you know who are the ones that are just trying to tread water. But I don't know. We have a lot of matchups like we just listed that we'll get a chance to really identify that early on, and it may not. You know, it's it's nice to have those because then we may not need a whole season to fully find out who we can envision being being at the top and in in the postseason by the time it's all said and done. It's been pretty exciting so far, so it's interesting to see undefeated teams like the Jaguars have been struggling. They're 0-3 against the Crocs or just basically 0-1. So it's kind of an interesting matchup there to see who's going to stand out, who's going to be the better squad. Uh, Northern Lights, Mark, uh, they, are, they seem to be the team this year. Tampere is going to be probably the two teams that are going to be classy in all season, and more than likely those are the two teams that are going to end up probably 
as it's early prediction, but it looks like those are the teams that we're going to be focusing on. Yeah, that's what it looks like early on here. You know, uh, the Northern Lights uh, look pretty strong. Uh, the, the Saints look pretty strong. I, I think for the teams that uh, have not yet won a game, uh, like the Jags, uh, you know, although it's early, you can pretty much count them out. Um, the, cro- the, the Crocodiles are um, not looking particularly strong. Um, but um, there's still a ways to go. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of these matchups play out. All right, guys. Uh, we uh, want to thank uh, Sonia Rohde for coming in the first hour, kind of giving us a perspective on the Central Canada Women's Football League, the launch for 2022 and her vision. So thanks to her to coming in here. We also got the breakdown and lowdown of the WFA weekend, so you can always do replays on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify, and in any other platform. And uh, like we always say, Nate, if you ain't at the hub, I don't know what, what you're doing, right? If you're not at the hub, I don't know what you're doing or where you've been. You, you must be at least watching the games like under a rock or something if you haven't been to our hub yet. Seriously, get to it. All right, Mark, uh, I tell everybody, tell your friends, if you ain't at the hub, as as Nate said here, you're just lost. I don't know. But if you want the lowdown of what's happening in the sport, the best network on the planet exists at the hub. So you got to be at the hub. Um, we didn't go into Monterey Elite Mexico action week four. They're still uploading their photos. But if you're at the hub, you'd be ahead of the game, so you'll be there this week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, everything that happens in the WNFC weekend coming up this weekend, it's going to be great. But the lowdown on everything in the WFA, Mark, we went through it. It's going to be pretty exciting games this weekend. So, you know, everything is on the line one step closer to Ken. It's, it's very exciting. We've got some great matchups to watch. All right, guys, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, Nate, always a pleasure to chime in with you. And then uh, Mark, oh, very pleasure. insightful, and I appreciate all our listeners. Uh, last week was a great podcast, and the week before was a great podcast. And thank you for bumping us up on all the platforms. Really, really appreciate it. keeps us going. And thanks to our sponsors, Mike and Knife Fight. Go there now, NBA Finals in play, uh, $5 play up to $50 match. You can also uh, go to the Zazzle.com, Great Iron Beauties, No Joke Football Shop. You get everything under $25. Use the code, special code there, and save money. Support their podcast as well through the apparel brand. So uh, for the talented and insightful Mark Simone and the always informative Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez here saying, hey, we're going to catch you next week as we uh, go into WFA weekend giddy. So we'll see which upsets are coming out. So thanks, you guys, for coming in. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.